Welcome to the Intentional House Podcast. Here, it's all about creating beautiful homes that actually help families love better. Here's your host, the home coach herself, Carly Thornock. What is up, homies? This is Carly. Welcome to the Intentional House Podcast. This is the spot where the feeling of home is really the priority, where it's the most important thing. And usually, we feel the most at home when our relationships are are on point where they are front and center. It's less about the things we put into our house, although we love a beautiful throw pillow, (laughs) but we really prioritize our people. Now, what is home? I've been thinking about this lately. I had a fantastic conversation with my students today about what home is and what's home to you. If you could describe to me what home is, that feeling, what would you say it is? How would you describe it? Take a second and write it down. Unless you're out on a run or driving your car, then, you know, do your thing. But think for a minute, like, what is the thing that on instant exposure, you're like, yeah, this is home? Is it the smell of your grandpa's cologne? Is it the cookies that your aunt makes every 4th of July? For me personally, this feeling of home is about onion dip, like French onion dip. My grandma used to make French onion dip and we dip um, like ridged lays in, into the dip at every family gathering. There was always dips, dip and chips. And I just loved that. And she'd always make it from the, the dip packet, the French onion packet. And I just, I just love it. Also, she had a very distinct smell uh, that was beautiful and, and wonderful. That feels like home to me. Other things that feel like home to me are, uh, funny funny enough, like the ESPN song, theme song. What do they call it? <laughs> Someone's going to laugh at me when they hear this. The, like, just a song with ESPN, with, with football usually. And when I would come into my home on Sundays, Mondays, like a lot of football happened at my house, and I would hear that in the background a lot. And that does feel like home to me. Um, my dad also did a lot of cooking when we were growing up and certain smells will take me right back to home. And as I'm creating my own home now, there are certain things that I, that I feel like represents this feeling that I'm going for. So a few of these things are sourdough bread, the livingness and the, the nature integration of sourdough bread and being able to provide something that is nutritious and wholesome and hunger, hunger quelching (laughs) for my growing children. Like, I really love that. I also love the smell of our cleaning products, which sounds so funny, (laughs) but we use all natural cleaning products. And I love that they don't have a strong smell, but there's a little bit of a smell. I just love it. And I love that I can make them myself. To me, that, that feels like ownership and intentionality and safety and home. What is this to you? As I was pondering this, I came up with four ways to describe home. And all together, they paint a really beautiful picture. I want to share them with you now. Home is the emotional and physical state of being where individuals and relationships thrive through consistent failure anchored in unshakable worthiness. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to give that one more read. The emotional and physical state of being where individuals and relationships thrive through consistent failure anchored in unshakable worthiness. 
that feels like home to me. Being able to fail over and over again and being unconditionally loved and unconditionally worthy in an unshakable way. Oh, I love that. Second, the playground for beauty, creation, and curiosity. Third, the catalytic conduit linking nature and sacred humanity. That one I love to sit with for a second because there's this catalyst idea. I wanted a a word that described when two things come together and the synergetic qualities of the two make the whole even better than the parts themselves. It's It's a catalyst. Home is the catalyst where raw humanity, like I'm talking like dirty diapers and throw up and tears and dishes and messes and tantrums and um, vulnerability and grief and joy and elation and losing, uh, I was going to say like ill health, but that would be like gaining health. (laughs) That's something that's happened in our family recently, like gaining health and all these things that are such micro processes that we share with the people inside of our houses, in our homes with us. There's a catalyst of of home, of space sharing, of soul sharing, where sacred humanity and nature, and I mean like wind, water, fire, earth, like all the elements, animals, microorganisms, where they converge, where we as who we are as humans and nature meet, like that is home. And last, the supportive haven where rest and rejuvenation, work and creation, laughter and celebration are both ordinarily central and spectacularly significant. I love this juxtaposition of the spectacular, like the the moments we celebrate, the birthdays, the holidays, the monumental occasions, married with this centrality of routine and the ordinariness of everyday rote life. Like that is home where both coexist all the time and where the little things become spectacular and the big things that we share become ordinary and they're all blessed by the sacredness of relationship. That is home. Some of my students said some really beautiful things and I wanted to share those with you too. One student said, home is where my people are and where we make pretty perfect memories in the middle of a messy, imperfect life. This one, I just started crying. Isn't that beautiful? Pretty perfect memories. They're both pretty and they're perfect. They're pretty perfect. They're kind of perfect. Like it's all of those things. It's just the perfect way to say it. The pretty perfect memories in a messy, imperfect life. That is control. That is ownership. That is beauty in the chaos. Oh, it's it's amazing. Another student said, for me, home is knowing the reason I'm there. Knowing the reason I'm in my house, which is not to keep things perfectly clean, and to even improve the home. The purpose of those times is that I'm intentionally connecting with my people. As a teacher, as a mentor, I just was elated, like full of joy that these wonderful women have grasped the idea that home is not something that's extrinsic, but something that's so inside of them that they get to create with as their clay as their 
medium of art to with the purpose of using that art to love other people. That is why we're here. How cool is it to create these things outside of ourselves? Like that is so cool, right? That we can have the power to both create a family and create an environment within to, with within which to raise those people, to raise the family. But even cooler, I want to take us one step further and that is this. What if we could become home? What if we could become the sanctuary for ourselves? And from this home, inside of our souls, we could radiate, we could share, we could ooze, we could just coat the earth <laughs> with this home feeling. We could make our marriage feel like home and make our parenting relationships feel like home and make our friendships feel like home and make our house feel like home. Not because there's anything intrinsic to a formula of design or that there's rules we have to follow or love languages we have to learn to speak, but just because home is so much a central part of who we are that we can feel at ease in any circumstance and bring love and elevation to everyone who encounters us. The radiative power of motherhood, of womanhood, is immense. And this is why mother is a symbol, as is a feeling, right, that is so closely associated with home. As I was, as I've been learning how to make sourdough bread, there in in, in Spanish cultures, sourdough bread is called. Masa madre, which is my mom's bread, right? <laughs> like this is the mom bread. This isn't fancy otherworldly bread. This is like what my mom made for us. This is the gift of home. It's bread. It's so fascinating. I just love that. That just a, just a little tidbit that was cool to me. We have the power of creating really compelling invitations for our children as mothers. When we are centered in home, like within our various souls, this is like soul home we're talking about here. When we feel safe and worthy and loved and creative and curious, like that radiates, it's contagious, it's catchy. People want to be around that. It comes with ownership. It comes from this place of confidence. It comes from this place of unconditional love that is so characteristic of a mother's love for her children. The research shows that children do not actually have the capacity to biologically regulate alone by themselves. So they must co-regulate. What this means is they look to an adult to help them interpret their emotions and calm their physical systems. And we are all built with machinery to help co-regulate one another. So this is why when you engage in physical contact for 30 seconds, that your rhythms harmonize, that you sync. This is why women, when we live together, our cycles sync. This is how we co-regulate with one another to help each other survive and live and thrive. Specifically, this mother to child or parent to child interaction of co-regulation, it is such a cool gift. So this is why we find our kids mirroring our emotional states so closely. And have you ever thought like, <laughs> can I just ever be the one that's having a bad day and everybody else can be fine? Why does everybody have to explode on the moment that I'm feeling overwhelmed, right? This is, this is why this happens. When we're upset, they tend to regulate to our upset vibrations. And 
we cannot create emotions in them. Of course, that doesn't exist. We cannot implant in our children emotions, but we are wired with the mirror neurons to learn what's dangerous via non-verbal cues from our parents. So we are likely to interpret the world, how our parents interpret the world via these mechanisms. It's essentially, it's a skill. It's a survival skill that we learn non-verbally. And it's a great thing. And this means that when we find home within ourselves, not only does our whole perception of the universe shift and elevate to openness and to wonder when we feel that intrinsic home, but our children biologically adapt to see the world as safe and find that hominess within themselves via all these biological co-regulating processes. So the gift of us finding center, finding home, creating home is a gift for the generations. Creating a home outside of ourselves is like a super compelling process. And it's easy for us to think that it works. <laughs> it works to create home outside of us and that there's a formula that we follow and that there's certain things that we buy and that there are experts and then there are novices and there's a right way. And really, we're fed this idea. It makes sense that we believe this because there are lots of people who stand to gain mega moolah by you and all of us chasing the dream of an extrinsic to ourselves home that be that could be bought. But home is not outside of ourselves. It's not a, a noun-worthy entity. <laughs> it's not a, a person, place, or a thing. It's a, a feeling. Home is a relationship. Home is, a, is place attachment. It is our feelings, our interaction, our senses, our experience with the world around us. But it is not the world on a math level. Home is an invitation. Home is a knowing. And what do we know? When we feel at home, we know we're safe. We know we're accepted. We know that we can grow. We know that we can experiment. We know that all things are working toward our good. We know that people have our back and we're not alone. We know we're not going to be abandoned. And we know that whatever we produce will be appreciated. This is the knowing. Home is not a formula. It's not anything outside of yourself. And home, because it is in you, it is available to you always. Now, if you're somebody who's saying, I didn't grow up with a good concept of what home is, how can I create something that I don't know how to produce? This is where our imagination comes into play. As children, we might not have been able to regulate without an adult who was regulated, without that homey feeling to mirror. Maybe that wasn't quite available to us as a little tiny kid. But now as an adult, it is available to you. And you can create whatever kind of home speaks to you, but this is going to require you to have a vision of where you're going. Home is a skill, a habit, a lens, and a tool that we can employ and use however we would like to. It's our creation. It's an art project. It's a science, but it's very much a right-brained glitter explosion. <laughs> it's not going to look perfect. It's a creation. It's a fortification. It's an armor. It's a blanket. Home is not the result of doing things. 
a right way or lighting enough pumpkin spice candles <laughs> to make a huga come to life. No, like home is the re it's, it's the origin. Home is the beginning. Home is the place where everything begins that reflects the knowing. Home is not the reward for being a good person or having kids that are quiet and clean and, and domesticated. Home is not the result of the right color scheme or the right scents in the air or the right people or the matching picture frames. Home is the birth center, the epicenter, the touchstone, the litmus test that filters non-essential and organizes life itself while simultaneously sanctifying the half chaos or full chaos of natural existence. So this is what I mean. A touchstone or a litmus test is something that you use to verify something else. So like when you get, when you have like gold, right? You take a touchstone and you can rub the gold on the touchstone to see the kind of streak that it leaves. And by how they interact, you can tell if it's real gold or not. Same with like a litmus test where you can see the acidity or the composition of whatever it is you're testing based on how the, the test results turn up. So you can, you can dip some pH paper in a cup of water and see how neutral, how basic or acidic your water is. And you can tell when things are pure or when they're not or when they're acidic or when they're basic. Like it just exposes things for what they are, helps us understand better. Home is this kind of a test. It is the solid place that we can kind of like scratch ourselves against to see what sticks, to see what, what pearl is going to be compressed via all of the coal all the carbon, right? Like we get to see what is left when all the rough edges are polished off. And the home is the thing that we're rubbing against. It is the tumbler that is polishing us as rough stones. Home is the origin from which we create a house. So once we are solidified in this knowing, and we bring our imperfect selves to interact with our knowing day after day. And we create a house that reflects the knowing back to us to help this process iterate over and over and over. And we create physical things like tables and doors and windows and decorations. We create a diet and the food that we eat, we process, we store, we consume, we clean. There's a routine, self-care, other care, uh, cleaning our bodies, cleaning our space. It's a parent. This is where our parenting methodology comes to life. How we view our house and the things that surround us directly inform the way we treat the people that we live with. Parenting specifically, marriage specifically. This is the place that mirrors back to us how we feel about ourselves and the kind of certainty that we have in our own worthiness. It shows us where we're at, not because. If you feel worthy, your house is always clean. But if you feel worthy, you know that a mess doesn't matter. And then you choose to clean maybe, maybe because it feels good. 
We often spend so much time and energy and money trying to recreate a satisfactory external replication of this illusory home that we crave on a primal level. Like we want to create this beautiful home. And so we spend a lot of money trying to do it outside of ourselves, bringing things in that will make us feel. But what we fail to realize is that the home that we so ardently are searching for has never left us. Because of this important relationship and all of these important emphases on inner home versus outer house, this podcast is getting an upgrade. And I'm so excited about this. Starting next week, this will be officially the Becoming Home podcast. The mission of this podcast and the mission that I have embraced is to take that step from creating outside of ourselves to creating inside of ourselves, true becoming. And then, of course, from this true becoming, from this inner creation, it's going to eke out and radiate to everything that we touch. And therefore, our homes will be directly, our houses will be directly involved in this becoming process. But it is not about the house. We all know that growth and becoming <laughs> looks a lot like a mess. Looks like a hot mess, y'all. And if you are in this world, a mortal in the world, a human, and especially if you have children or relationships, or if you share a home with anybody that you care about, the mess is the beauty. I hope you go make one of your own messes this week. Stay tuned for some exciting becomings around here. And I'll talk to you then. Hey, if you are loving everything that you're hearing, I want to invite you to join the Home Love Lab. This is the program where I take you through all the steps in anchoring your home design and renovation in the love that you feel for yourself, for your spouse, for your children, and for all the guests that come into your home. It's a revolutionary way to look at home design, and I'd love to have you join me. You can find more details about the Home Love Lab at intentionalhouse.com.